Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play podcast. Today we're going to be breaking down the AFC West. Uh, we're going to do head coaching ranks, offensive talent ranks, defensive talent ranks, quarterback rankings, Vegas win-loss rankings, whether we think they'll go over or under. And as always, to do these breakdowns and to do all our analysis. Leo, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm excited to finally get into the AFC. I mean, I, I know that the NFL is it's two conferences, but I'm much more interested in the AFC than I am the NFC. Yeah, the AFC is definitely closer for both of us. We've both been you know, a Baltimore fan. You're a Tennessee fan. Uh, we've both been through numerous amounts of ringers with the AFC. Uh, and so I think our, our hearts tie in here. Uh, the NFC can feel like a long way away. Um, for whatever reason, I feel like the NFC is all West Coast in my brain. I know it's not, okay? Like, I'm aware of where New York is, but I've got, it's just a weird thing. Like, the NFC for me sometimes feels foreign, where the AFC can feel like my backyard. You know what I think is a weird determining factor for me, in, in my viewing pleasure at least? I don't like the NFL on Fox. Like, I, I don't enjoy the Fox telecast. I like the CBS telecast, and the AFC is normally CBS. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's a historic thing, but you, you're right, and I'll tell you what. I think the Fox telecast is terrible. Not yeah, just, I don't enjoy them, ever. Yeah, I think their graphics suck. I think their quality sucks. I think they just, like, give you a shittier product. So I think it's both things. One, we don't really give a shit what happens over there because at the end of the day, you know, you're only going to play them in the Super Bowl for the most part. And then the second part of it is Fox puts out an inferior product. Go figure. So <laughs> let's jump into it here. Uh, and we're going to start out with the AFC West. We're going to start with the head coaching rankings. Uh, I believe this is going to be pretty flush for the two of us. Uh, number one for me, the best head coach is going to be the Super Bowl winning Andy Reid. Followed up by the Super Bowl winning John Gruden. And then I've got Vic Fangio at number three and Anthony Lynn at number four. A uh, couple things about both of these. I don't know how well Vic Fangio is going to do in that uh, with that team this year. Uh, Vic Fangio had some comments about the, how the NFL's uh, meritocracy, where people are paid for the work they produce, which is clearly not the case. I don't know how that's going to resonate in the locker room. Um, and, and it's crazy for me to hear Vic Fangio say that when he himself was overlooked for head coaching jobs for so many years. You know it's not based on record alone, uh, and it's not based on performance, and there are a ton of political things in play. So I, it's tone deaf for me to hear that from Vic Fangio. And I wonder how you're going to be able to relate to young men uh, who are definitely— Fangio's coming from the Bears, right? Yeah. Uh, he's from a long line of being a defensive coordinator for years. Like, yeah, I was, that's funny that you know that you're mentioning the the comments from Fangio because I I was reading yesterday I believe that it, Kyle Long, one of their yeah. old defensive linemen, was talking about how he retired because of the front office and the regime there. Yep. So I'm wondering if Fangio has anything to do with that, and if he does, that's not a good sign for his next stop. No, and and Fangio is someone who's been in the NFL a long time. Uh, he got his start with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's worked for the Panthers, the Colts, the Texans. He worked for the Ravens. Uh, the interesting thing is I actually just Wikipedia'd him, and his picture is him on the Ravens. 
which was 2006, so that's a weird picture. Um, and he was a special assistant to the head coach and defensive assistant uh, for three years. Um, then he coached linebackers. You know, he went to Stanford. He was a 49ers. He went to the Bears and gets a shot at the Denver Broncos. Um, seven and nine last year. I just don't know. Uh, I, I I would say the only reason why I have Anthony Lynn below him is I really honestly feel like Anthony Lynn squandered a very talented teams the last two years, uh, not just uh, three years, not just the year that they, they the Chargers went to Baltimore and beat us in the playoffs, which I thought was pretty good. But I thought they largely underachieved last year. I didn't like the way they handled the running back situation. I thought the offense was gelling, and then when Melvin Gordon came back, he put Melvin Gordon directly back into the lineup, and that did not work out for them, and they could then never get their footing in a rhythm. Um, two years previous to that, I don't like his in-game coaching decisions. Uh, so for me, you know, I put Anthony Lynn fourth. Um, I, I, I've just seen more of him, and I have not been impressed with anything he's done uh, for that team. I, I could see, you know, you want to you want to put Fangio fourth on the list for me. You'll, I'm, you're going to hear no complaints. At least uh, Anthony Lynn has a playoff win. Uh, but for me, these are both sub-tier coaches that probably won't last more than another season. How do you got them broken down? Yeah, that's essentially how I have them broken down as well. I have Andy Reid first, obviously. I, I don't think you can argue against the Super Bowl winning coach uh, as, as first in the division. Uh, you got to go with Gruden next because he's proven that he can win one, even if that was two decades ago. Uh, you got to give Gruden his due there. Uh, at the bottom, I actually have Lynn third and Fangio fourth. I don't know what I'm getting from Fangio, so I, I can't put him above Lynn. Yeah. But your arguments against Lynn, they're all valid. Uh, the way that they handled Melvin Gordon last year was gross. Uh, I'm sure Austin Eckler's happy this year that he's got the backfield to himself for the most part. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you. I, I do have Lynn third instead of fourth because I've seen at least some positive from Lynn, and yep. I, I have to factor in the injuries. I know we've discussed on the last three breakdowns that we've done that you know injuries are you know they're kind of on the coach because you have to pick your strength and conditioning staff. But uh, I, you know I'm not willing to give Flynn or Lynn, I'm sorry, the last spot because he had to deal with. Philip Rivers' corpse and a bunch of injuries around him. Uh, I'm going to give him the third spot. Fangio is last until proven better. All right, I'm going to flip mine as well. That's, you know, I I just let uh, a little bit of my disdain for Flynn get in the way. Uh, and, Flynn, and I, Flynn. Lynn. Yeah, Lynn, Lynn. I don't know why I said Flynn. I'm literally looking at his Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really, for me, what, what did it and is stuck in my crawl is the 2017 season. I really thought that team just underachieved across the board and it was his first year and he got his footing underneath him a little bit. Um, and, and last year, and then they went 12 and four in 2018, uh, the, the big decrease from five and 11. And I understand Philip Rivers corpse, but we're basically saying that one year he's 12 and four and loses in the divisional round of the Patriots, and the next year they go five and eleven. You know they did have injuries, but was it a quarterback injury? No. You know, was it wide receivers were all still healthy? The biggest thing is they just never look cohesive. Uh, but you're right, Fangio brought very little to the table in overall terms as well. Uh, so let's break down. This is this is kind of interesting. Uh, the next spot here is the offensive talent and. 
Honestly, there may not be a team with more rookie upside. These teams are pretty freaking loaded with young talent. So go ahead and give me your offensive talent breakdown. Yeah, so if we would have done this this ranking, or if we would have done this podcast before the draft, I might have different rankings here. But it looks like every team in this division decided that they needed to keep up with the Chiefs if they wanted to survive. And so... Almost everyone went offense. They loaded up on weapons. Um, So the Chiefs are far and away number one. I mean, when you have uh, the best tight end in the game in Travis Kelsey, you got, you know, uh, you got Sammy Watkins, you got Tyreek Hill, you got uh, Nicole Hardman. Now in the backfield, it's Edwards Alaire and Damian Williams, who maybe should have won Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. And then I, I know Patrick Mahomes isn't factored into this ranking, but all of those pieces are amplified by Patrick Mahomes. So the, the Chiefs, far and away number one. No debate to be had. If you want to debate that, then debate someone else. Yeah. Um, number two is where it gets tricky because you – each of these teams has an argument, except for the Chargers. I don't think the Chargers are close. But the Broncos and Raiders, they, they both have an argument for it. I'm going to give it to the Broncos. I like what I saw from Cortland Sutton last year. Uh, they're bringing in Jerry Judy, who I think is going to be a star in the league. They brought in Melvin Gordon. They still have Phillip Lindsay. Uh, we'll see with uh, with Drew Locke. Uh, again, we have our own quarterback ranking, so I don't want to go too far with him. But the weapons are enhanced by the quarterback. So, uh I'm gonna go with the Broncos second. Uh, Raiders are third. They they came they came out of the draft with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, two likely starting receivers for them. Uh, receiver was really their problem last year because when Tyrell Williams is your number one, I, I like Tyrell Williams, but he's not a number one. Um, but they they had Darren Waller. Uh, they have Josh Jacobs. You know they have some pieces there for Gruden to work with. And then last is the Chargers. Uh, I know they they, dra- they drafted uh, Justin Herbert, but you know the weapons are Eckler and Keenan Allen and yeah, they Mike got Williams and, Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah, a couple. I'm good. I'm good on the Chargers, really. <laughs> yeah, I look at the Chargers as having a bunch of B weapons, upside of B weapons, where everyone else has an upside of A weapons or is sitting on A weapons. Uh, the Chiefs are sitting on the A weapon of Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins still provides good be- good uh, depth. They draft a running back. Um, Andy Reid likes to have a bell cow. Uh, we'll see if he gets that. He is searching. Um, they didn't need it last year to be incredibly potent, uh, but they have it this year uh, if, it, if it all comes into fruition. Uh, mine lists line up the same way as you. Uh, number three for me is the Raiders. Um, the Broncos get the edge by having uh, Josh Jacobs, who I really fucking, fucking like. Sorry, the for me, the Raiders get the edge for number two over the Broncos because I, I think Josh Ooh, Jacobs okay. is a bat, back who can do it all. I love Darren Waller. Um, I think he... Given Waller the, came out of nowhere last year, man. Yeah. Mean, at least for me. I didn't know who he was. So Waller was drafted by... was on the Ravens. Um, Waller had a meltdown in camp uh, where he threw a ball into... The Ravens have like a nearby pond to their practice facility. And he, he threw a ball in practice into the pond. Uh, he was a complete malcontent. Uh, they they let him go and they cut him and the Raiders signed him. Uh, Darren Waller himself has come out and said that. And let me let me pull it up real quick because I don't want to misquote someone on something like this. But basically, Darren Waller um, 
was having trouble with drugs and alcohol. Uh, I do remember that being part of his story. Yeah. I, he was on, what was it, Hard Knocks? Is that where he got popular? Because the Raiders were on Hard Knocks? Yes. Originally, yeah. he was a member of the Baltimore Ravens. He missed the entire 2017 season after being suspended for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, seventh, It was the second suspension since entering the league as a six-round pick in 2015. Um, Holy shit! Yeah, so he's he exploded out of nowhere, right? He got you know, and here, here's here's his quote: "I was in Baltimore. I was just like a vegetable. I was getting high literally every day, whatever I could get my hands on: opiates first, oxy pills, stuff like that, Xanax, cocaine. Not caring about anyone, anything, any consequence, uh, consequences." Um, he said, when getting cut by the Raider, Ravens, it was a wake-up call for him. He goes to the Raiders, turns himself around, uh, and that's how he kind of comes out of nowhere. This is someone who had talent, uh, but had squandered his opportunity uh, through abusing drugs, got himself back together. I think you'll continue to see good things with him. But I really like what they, this team's got uh, from a from a weapons standpoint. I love Josh Jacobs. Um, you're going to look at Tyrell Williams. uh Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, that's not Hunter Renfro, not a great wide receiver core, but Ruggs could be someone to take the top off that defense. Um, I just like their pieces that they have. Uh, I like the potential of this team and its upside. I like the Chargers. I'm just not a big Melvin Gordon fan. Uh, I think Philip Lindsay kind of broke down a lot last year. Uh, and I think that's going to, I really. Yeah, Lindsey's my size, so you, you can't expect him to take, you know, 200, 300 carries. And I think that they've got a good one, too. They're going to look at Lindsey as like the Eckler, and Melvin Gordon as the Melvin Gordon. Uh, but for me, I, I think that the upside of the Raiders, I think Josh Jacobs could be an all star every single year or a pro bowler. Um, so I've got the Raiders above him. But I like what the Broncos are doing. Uh, the Broncos. For you know, these are teams that have decided to try to get in a gunfight with uh, with the chart with the Chiefs, and good luck because the Chiefs have the better weapon and the better quarterback and the better head coach. So I don't know if that's the best way to go. Uh, now we move to the weakness of this entire division, and that's the defense. Uh, for me, the Chargers are the number one defense. Uh, they have the best pass rush in this division. Uh, they have yeah, when they can stay on the field. When they can stay on the field, but. You know, and after that, really, none these these teams in this division have highlights on defense. They do not have well-rounded units. Uh, the Chargers can go deep with cornerbacks, which have given the Chiefs problems. Uh, the Chargers have, to me, the best division, uh, best defense in this division. I follow that up with the Broncos as number two. Uh, again, good pass rush combo, some talent in the back end. Um, I don't really like them getting rid of uh, their talented corner, uh, who is a Chris Harris. Um, yeah. I don't really like that. But the rest of these teams in the division, I think, are kind of bare. Uh, the Raiders suffered. They've been drafting defense, 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 but they suffer greatly. So, for me, it's Chargers 1, Broncos 2. I have the Chiefs as 3. They have, again, they've got these players that have high upside and not a whole lot in between them. And then, last, the Raiders, who all their talent's young, um, and and they had a lot of injuries, so I'm not really sure what we're going to get at a full year with them. How do you got it? All right, I, I think that the Chiefs. I actually think that the Chiefs have a pretty good defense. It just gets overshadowed by the the machine that is their offense. Uh, I have the Chiefs number one uh, in the division in in terms of defense. Um, 
they they have them at they have players at every level. They've got players on 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 the line to rush the passer. They they've got some decent linebackers. You know they have enough in the secondary. Uh, I have them number one. Um, after that, whatever really. But I, I guess for for the podcast sake, I'll go Broncos, uh, Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders. Chiefs. And with the Raiders, I don't see how it's going to get any better anytime soon because they really struggled to rush the passer last year, and I don't see where they did a lot to address that. So I'm thinking that they're going to be the worst defense in the division by a, a decent margin. Yeah, they had that guy Max Crosby who had a kind of a breakout year rookie, so they yeah. they could put something together. But for, for the most part, this is not a good defense. If I run through this list, you may know only one name. The name you may know is Prince uh, Amukamara. Uh, yeah, I do know him. Who is a journeyman. That's why everyone knows him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, the rest of their team is young. They're, we're going to see what they get. They get they went linebackers. They're trying to score points. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're going to try to score points, control the ball, um, and that moves us to the most important part of scoring points. Uh, well, you know, some teams it's scheme, but for the most part it's universally the quarterback. How's your quarterback breakdown? All right, I got Pat Mahomes and then three question marks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, Mahomes is easily first. I don't think we need to spend much time talking about that. He's arguably the best player in the NFL right now. He's a monster. He's an alien, and they shouldn't be able to have him on a rookie contract. Uh, after that, it gets a little tricky to me because we have, oh, what are our choices? Drew Locke, uh, Carr slash Mariota, and Justin Herbert. Yeah, well, it's so, kind of Tyrod Taylor right now it's for the Chargers. You know, that's who they're uh, going to be their Tyrod. starter. Tyrod, okay. Put yeah, in so Tyrod. Yeah. I, 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 after Mahomes, I'm going to go with uh, Carr slash Mariota, then yep. Drew Locke, and then uh, I guess Justin Herbert and, and your boy. Yeah, I, Tyrod Taylor. And so my my rankings are uh, this kind of the same. I I Would you say Derek Carr, too? Yeah, Carr slash Mariota. Okay, I actually okay, yeah. think that by the end of the season, Mariota is going to be the starter in Oakland. I think he's going to take Carr's job by halfway through the season. Um, but yeah, I have the combination of both of them above Drew Locke because I, we don't really know what we're getting with Drew Locke yet. He had three or four all right games at the end of last season, and even those all right games weren't super impressive. So I don't know what to think with Drew Locke yet. Yeah, I I put Locke ahead of Carr, and the only reason is I go on potential upside. I just don't know from what I've seen out of Carr that he can return to those brief years where he was playing at a Pro Bowl level. Um, so I've got Mahomes one, and then, you know, three question marks as well. I've got the Chargers fourth on this list. Tyrod Taylor. I do not know why anyone is grabbing Tyrod Taylor over Cam Newton, except if you're just waving the flag, Tyrod Taylor's a, uh, you know, for me, part of the problem is you grab someone like Tyrod Taylor and then you tell the public that he's your starter. Like why just, why lie so blatantly to everyone? No, my guess with Tyrod Taylor would be at least in the Tyrod Taylor versus Cam Newton thing. You could get a lesser but similar skill set without any of the extra that comes with Cam Newton. So, here's the thing. Extra what? Extra wins? 
Like, it's it's one of those moves that GMs make because they go, well, look, I'm going to draft a quarterback, okay? But if I, if I bring in Cam Newton, there's a chance that when I draft this quarterback, he doesn't play for like a year or two years. I don't understand right. why that's a bad thing, though. Is the goal to then you want to bring in someone who your quarterback should definitely beat? Like, you could bring in Cam Newton and go, Cam, this is going to be your team for two years, and then we're going to turn the, then we're going to turn this team over. And if you go on a huge run and you're successful, you trade Justin Herbert and you keep a league MVP. It's, to me, it's a way that NFL GMs set themselves up for, for, set themselves up for success in the public size and failure on the field. Because if, if Justin Herbert is this much better than Tyrod, then Tyrod's your backup. There's a ton of backups. Like, I don't know. I hate the investment in a quarterback like Tyrod right off the bat and then proclaiming him the starter. I know a lot can change. I know it's coach speak. I just don't agree with the philosophy. Um, I don't think Tyrod Taylor's been a serviceable starting quarterback for many years. Uh, and I know there's a fascination with him, but I, I just don't understand why the fascination doesn't lie with someone like Cam Newton, who has way more upside and probably would have cost about the same to get on a one to two year deal. So I've got Mahomes number one. I've got I've Drew Locke number two. Again, I'm going to go with the upside of Locke. I know it's an unknown. I totally get I'm speaking a little bit out of both sides of my mouth. But I, I like the upside of Drew Locke as opposed to knowing exactly what I'm going to get with Derek Carr. Uh, and then I don't trust the Chargers to do the right thing. So the combination of Justin Herbert and uh, Tyrod Taylor for me will move them into fourth place. All right. Now, I think this is our favorite part of the breakdowns. And, of course, the part that our listeners are probably most interested in. And that is the Vegas win loss records now let's do it let's win some money when we talk about the three teams below the chiefs being a question mark vegas feels the same way here are the win totals for the chargers raiders and broncos seven and a half seven and a half seven and a half (laughs) okay this isn't a this isn't like a we're on the fence uh the people that make their money off of the public are on the fence literally seven and a half seven and a half. the chiefs start with vegas odds of 11 and a half wins i we can walk through the Chiefs' schedule we'll do that real quick um i have them at over the 11 and a half wins uh just right off the bat but let's walk through it uh they're going to start the year against the texans so you're going to go texans chargers ravens patriots okay if tom brady was still in new england the front four of those, that game for the Chiefs would be one of the most hellish starts to a season. You're going to play Deshaun Watson, uh, and then, of course, you get Tyrod Taylor, which is the soft spot. But, you know, last year, this would look like Deshaun Watson, Phillip Rivers, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady. Um, luckily for the Chiefs, a lot has changed. So they're going to get the Chargers and the Patriots without their star quarterbacks. Uh, then they're going to get the Raiders, Bills, Broncos, and Jets. That's all very manageable for a Chiefs team. Uh, it gets it gets softer <laughs> than that. You go into the Panthers, the Raiders, the Bucks are tough, the Broncos, then the Dolphins. You end the year with at the Saints, which, holy moly, that's going to be a fun one. And then the Falcons and the Chargers. So I think over 11 wins for them, it, uh, 
to me, that's one of the better bets I've seen over 11 and a half. Honestly, you could have read any teams just now and I would have gone over. Yep. You, you literally could have just named all the playoff teams from last year. I'm still going over. Over. Um, with the Chiefs, I'm going over. <laughs> I, I don't have a, a great deep dive for you. This is probably the most talented roster in the NFL. They have the best player in the NFL. They yep. have one of the best coaches in the NFL. And they just won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going over 11. Perfect. Let's move on, uh, and I won't rehash it again. The Chargers, Raiders, and Broncos are all seven and a half. So let's first move over to the what is it? The L.A. Chargers now. The I almost yeah, called them the yes. San Diego Superchargers, but they are no longer that. Uh, the Chargers have a very interesting schedule. It is overall light. Um, their seven and a half is enticing when you look at some of the upside positions they have. Uh, the Chargers are going to play the Bengals. Uh, and obviously, they play the Chiefs twice, the Broncos twice, and the Raiders twice. So besides that, they're playing the Bengals and the Panthers. Uh, you know, those probably are going to be two bad teams again. The Bengals have some weapons, but overall, they were not a good team last year, and we have no idea what we're getting out of Zach Taylor. So you've got the Bengals, the Panthers, the Jets, the Dolphins, um, the Falcons, and the and that's kind of your winnable games for the Chargers. Uh, which is only six games. The Chargers are also going to have to go through the Buccaneers, the Saints, <laughs> the Patriots, the Bills. Um, there are some tougher games. This Charger team, to me, seems like a... If you won 7-9 and nine for the Chargers, I think they'd be happy. So for me, I'm going under. Yeah, I'd have to go under as well. I I guess a lot of it for me depends on whether Tyrod is going to be the starter all year or not. You know, if they're really going to stick with Tyrod or if they're going to hand the keys to Herbert sooner than later. Uh, I think that the sooner they hand the keys to Herbert, the lower their win total is going to be. I'm not a huge Tyrod fan, but I think Tyrod can get you to, you know, six or seven wins. Uh, if it's Herbert, I see you know another five and eleven season, maybe a four win season. Uh, he's a rookie, and there's not a whole lot to work with on that offense for him. Uh, so yeah, I'm going under for the Chargers. Under again. Uh, and so next up, we've got the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders. It's really funny how this division is going to work itself out uh, because I think that really your your the Chargers for me are eliminated going into the year. Um, the Raiders uh, have some light spots on their schedule, which may get them in. Uh, the The Jets are on their schedule. They have the Dolphins. Um, they've got the Patriots, who I think the Patriots are not going to be good this year. Um, but since they, the problem is with the NFC or the AFC West is they roll through the NFC South, which for the most part has some loaded teams with the Bucks and the Saints and the Falcons still have a high powered offense. So you roll right. the dice, you get them, you get the you get the AFC uh, AFC East. So you get the Patriots, Bills, Jets, Dolphins, which is kind of a coin flip bag. Uh, so predicting the win loss again, we're rehashing this point, but the reason why Vegas has these lines at seven and a half is because it's tough to determine who's going to win. Looking at the Raiders schedule, though, I see at least eight wins. I'm going over seven and a half for the Raiders. Ooh, 
with the Raiders, it's tough because I feel like they've done a lot to improve their offense. But like I was saying earlier, I still haven't seen huge improvements for their defense. I know they, they drafted a, a corner, I believe, from Ohio State, Arnett. Yep. And, you know, that should help with the secondary a little bit. But at the same time, he's a rookie. You know, we can't expect too much from a rookie corner. Uh, and so the defense just doesn't have enough for me. Like, even if they do increase their scoring, how are they going to stop teams from, you know, how are they going to stop teams from putting up 30 or 40 on them? No, uh, that's going to be their problem. Uh, I think that some of their you may be talking me off it uh, and I may change it, but I think that one of the things that's going to benefit them is playing some teams that don't necessarily have those big offense that, that sorry, that also have big question marks on their offense. Uh, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Panthers, uh, all four of those teams to me do not have good offenses. They get the Chargers twice and they get the Broncos twice. Um, so for me, that's kind of where like the Raiders where you go, yeah, what do you have on defense? And I go, well, they're going to play some real bad offensive teams uh, throughout the year. I think that's where they'll make up some ground. Uh, but continue. I'm not mad at that. Yeah, with the Raiders, I, I would – seven is about where I, okay. I would land Taking on the under. seven to eight. Okay. So if seven and a half is the number – yeah. I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't put a yeah. dollar on it, but I'm probably going under. Under. And then last uh, and probably least this year uh, is the Denver Broncos. Seven and a half again for the Broncos. Very similar schedule to everyone else. The only difference between the Broncos schedule and really the Raiders schedule uh, is who they play in the AFC. They get a little bit uh, a little bit more of the AFC talent. Uh, they are going to play your Tennessee Titans to start the season. Uh, that is yep. who they, they open up with, uh, Tennessee versus the Broncos. Then they're going to play their other matchup in the AFC, which is the Steelers. So the funny thing is you might know a lot about the Broncos two weeks in. Uh, the teams that they ranked up with last year as opposed to where you were in your division, the Broncos and the, uh, the Titans and the Steelers. They're going to go through both of them to start. Uh, they're going to follow it up with a game against the Bucks, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. So if the Broncos do not start the year in some form of 4-2, and 3-3, three and three, the season's going to get out of hand quick because they don't have a division game. They don't, they don't play a division game until week 7, and then they have all their division games. So you, you either have a stretch there or they're going to be consumed and the season's going to be over. Uh, with the Broncos, I am going to shake the table a little bit. I'm going over. Over, okay. If seven and a half is the number that Vegas is setting, I'm going over. They were seven and nine last year, and yep. really their main problem was that they couldn't score points. Uh, the defense was one of the, I wouldn't say, you know, top, top three or four in the conference, but they were upper half in the AFC in defense last year. But their offense was just awful. awful. They, they couldn't score. So with, with Drew Locke back there, hopefully now with Melvin Gordon, uh, Sutton and Judy, hopefully Noah Fant takes a, a step forward. Uh, they, they drafted another, um, another uh, speed receiver, Hamler, I believe is his name. Um, so, yeah, I think that they, they're going to add enough offense to add one to two wins. You know, I don't see them getting to ten wins, but I could see them at eight and eight or nine and seven. I could, t I could see them stepping up a game or two given the offensive additions and hopefully the development of Drew Locke. They went 7-9 and nine with Flacco getting some starts. So 
uh, I feel like there's some room for growth for them yeah. if they can score some points. I agree with that. I, I think they could have upside. That could be a team that I change my tune on as we go um, because I do – I'm going to have to rewatch Drew Locke again. Because uh, I, I, so much of this season is just going to come down to how well he does – uh, for the Broncos, um, that wraps it up. Set him up for success. If he doesn't succeed, it's on him. Right, they've got everything. He has weapons. Yeah, they've got a decent line. They've got two solid running backs. They have Cortland Sutton, who's definitely a number one. They've got. Uh, uh, they bring in other weapons. They've, this, this is a team that is balanced. Again, I just worry about how Vic Fangio drives the car. Uh, I don't know how much of the offensive struggles last year. Yes, Joe Flacco looked terrible. Um, it, I, he is a defensive-minded coach. I wonder how he adopts to the 21st century offenses we're seeing around the NFL. Uh, John Elway has struggled drafting quarterbacks, and the typical quarterback that John Elway likes doesn't really exist in today's NFL. So I, I worry about how that all translates to wins and losses. But they have talent. So, you know, I think this goes back to our head coaching rank with him and Lynn we could be looking at the end of the rope for both of them this year. So, all right. Yeah, with you on that. Any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Um, no. Uh, this division, I think, is going to be interesting to see how the young talent develops. I think that this division will be a lot more interesting in terms of fantasy football than it will be, you know, in, in terms of real life interest. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how all these offensive players that you know that got drafted into the division, like Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, you know Clyde Edwards-Helaire. There's a lot of offensive talent got added to this d- division over the off season, and I just kind of want to see how that shakes out. Yeah, at least half of them should be winners, and therefore this this division's at least going to have playmakers. I mean, if if Denver hits on another weapon. They're going to be a quarter. That's a team where I could see Cam Newton going to and being great. Uh, Cam Newton fits on a lot of teams, by the way. Uh, you know that kind of talent goes everywhere. Yeah, I don't understand how he's still a free agent. I guess right now it probably has a lot to do with the fact that they can't really conduct physicals and all that. But he needs to be on a roster. Yeah, uh, part of the problem is, uh, and really when you break it down, just like run through where teams are at. Right, this is a team. This is a division where. Truthfully, three teams could use a quarterback. Uh, but the Chargers, you know, go to the Chargers. They picked up Tyrod. They draft Herbert. Okay, they're not going to bring Cam Newton into that now. The Raiders, they Derek Carr, they bring in Mariota. I don't know why you bring in Mariota, but they've done that. So now, you know, you're I kind of— I think Gruden's had a hard-on for him for a little while. And they've got Peterman. I don't understand. That quarterback room is so fucking weird. And then you get to the Broncos where you've got Drew Locke and nobody, but they're going to give Drew Locke his chance this year. So, you know, a lot of teams on the NFL mimic how this looks. They have their guy right now. There are very few teams without a plan at quarterback. And some of the teams without a plan, like the Patriots, are to watch their young quarterback get in there. And if he struggles, then figure out a plan B. Uh, but most of these teams around the NFL right now are set at quarterback, and we'll probably need a in-season injury to a contender for Cam Newton to get a job at this point. I think when the Panthers released him was a little dirty. Uh, we'll get into that at a different time, but I think that this I, I team's got offense. I do want to touch offense. on one more thing before we go. Yeah, go for it. I 
am looking at the uh, the draft classes for each team in the division right now. I didn't realize that the Raiders drafted Amik Robertson. Uh, he's a a small corner, I, I believe, from Louisiana Tech that I really like going into the draft. So if Damon Arnett and Amik Robinson both pan out to be starters and you know the the Raiders are crossing their fingers that that happens but if that does happen then I could see them hitting their over I just want to throw that out there real quick yeah this is I I really think that there's a scenario for each one of these teams to be an 11 win team like truthfully uh you you look at the Broncos they if if everything pans out for these teams uh, I mean I don't think there's any scenario than Patrick Mahomes getting hurt that they beat the Chiefs but the Chargers, there's there's enough meat on the bone for all these schedules because they're playing the AFC East and they're playing the NFC West, which has the Falcons and the Panthers. Uh, the the NFC South is the Falcons and the Panthers that allows them that wiggle room. Uh, that that they're going to get some chances to, you know, they're going to have enough bites. And if you can feast off of two other teams in your division that aren't doing well, you can get four wins there. You can go four and two, lose two to the Chiefs, get your four carry on three wins against the AFC East, which puts you at seven. Uh, if you can win against the Pat- Panthers and Falcons, now you're at nine. So you're sitting around nine wins with two to play. Uh, you know, that that's that's where each one of these teams could be. Uh, you've got teams at the bottom of the division that are going to play the Dolphins and the Bengals. Another team in the division is going to end up playing the Browns and the Jets. So, you know, there's a lot of meat here for someone to go eat if they're good. Uh, we'll see what happens. I believe we'll be bringing you one more pod this week. Uh, well, this will be the second pod this week as uh, we have just put up the AFC West, uh, NFC West. Um, cranking them out. We're cranking them out. Uh, we we're going to try to get one more this week. We'll see where everything settles. It's kind of a weird time everywhere. Uh, but thank you for tuning in. Listen to Pick and Play Podcast. Leo, where can people find you? At Pick and Scroll on Twitter and PickandScroll.com. All right. Uh, we will be bringing you new segments, new features, and as NFL and NBA season starts to crank up, seems like MLB is dead in the water, we will continue to provide in-depth analysis. Once the NBA releases their schedule, new schedule, we'll do a full breakdown on that and what we're looking for. Thanks for tuning in. Everyone stay safe.